Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Almost everybody's familiar in one form or fashion about rogue agencies, whether they're at the federal level or down at the state level. We've probably all seen some kind of examples of unelected bureaucrats determining basically what the law is going to be far beyond what the legislature or Congress had passed and then using their own agency regulations and sometimes just internal decisions and memorandums to ruin people's lives. On this week's Liberty Cafe, we're going to take a look at this and see how, at least down here in Texas, we can do something to rein in these runaway state agencies. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 115 of the Liberty Cafe. It's a blessing to have you here with me and a blessing to be a part also of the Texas Scorecard Network. Texas Scorecard sponsors the Liberty Cafe, and you can find us uh, here at my, at my website, excellentthought.net. Go over to Texas Scorecard, sorry, texasscorecard.com and find us over there along with a lot of other stuff about the battle for liberty going on here in Texas and really across the world. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about state agencies here in Texas and what we can do to rein them in. And to help us understand this, we're going to have State Representative Brian Harrison on. He has filed three bills in the Texas legislature that are designed to rein in these state agencies and at least put elected officials over the top of them and in some form or fashion to help control them, but also give us some rights to go after and protect ourselves in courts that we don't really have today. So without further ado, we're going to turn over. I interviewed him just a little while ago, and now we're going to go and listen to that, and then I'll be back at the end. I'm with State Representative Brian Harrison today. Uh, Representative Harrison, thank you very much for being on the show. Bill, uh, it's great to be with you. Thank you very much uh, for having me. Well, for those of you who don't know him, let me just introduce you a little bit. So uh, Representative Harrison is in his second term representing House District 10 in the Texas legislature, which comprise um, Ellis County. And, and from what I can tell on the map, very small parts of Henderson County, it looks like. It, it, used, to, it used to. Yeah. When I was elected in a special election uh, about a year and a half ago, I had Ellis and some of Henderson and Ellis has grown so much. I no longer have the Henderson part. Which so no, no, not of Henderson anymore. Okay. No, unfortunately not. I loved representing the folks in Henderson County. But, okay. Uh, you know. All right. And then, um, he, yeah. but you live there in Ellis and you, with your wife, Tara and your, and the four children. Uh, so uh, Representative Harrison has worked with his wife and father in multiple um, business enterprises, small businesses, and, and is a consultant as a small business as well. But during the Trump administration, he served in various roles in federal agencies. He was chief of staff at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which, as bio tells us, is the largest government agency in the world. Boy, you know, we, we could do with less of those, but but I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you were there. And yeah. then um, also at the U.S. Department of Defense and the, the Office of the Vice President of the White House and then the Office of the Commissioner of Social Security Administration. So, um, Representative Harrison, so you filed three bills that had to deal with state agencies and basically getting 
state agencies off the back of Texas. And but before I, you know, before I get into those bills, I'd like us to talk a little bit about your background on this. And I, let me just start out with this question, if I could. So quite often when I ran across someone with your resume, you know, lots of experience in big federal agencies, I find them on the wrong side of the liberty issue. But that's not the case with you, right? You, you, and, and so could you just tell us a little bit about what your experience in these agencies led you to come to the place where you're filing these bills trying to reduce the impact of big agencies on the lives of people? Yeah, I do think it, it surprised a lot of people uh, that somebody who used to be at the top of the, the world's largest government agency, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and I'll give you some statistics just to drive that point home that do not make my small government heart happy, but they are true. Uh, so people here in Texas like to brag that, you know, if Texas was its own nation state, we would be the ninth largest economy on earth, right? You hear people talk about this all the time. Um, HHS, just my one cabinet agency where I was the chief of staff, if HHS was its own nation state, it would be the fifth, <laughs> right behind the United Kingdom. So yeah. the, the budget here in Texas is about a quarter of a trillion dollars, you know, 250, 300 billion. Um, HHS had a budget of $1.4 trillion when I started. It had 26 uh, operating and staff divisions. I had a staff of 85,000 people and 100,000 contractors. And just one of our 26 divisions, the FDA regulates one out of every $4 spent in the American economy. So um, I am very uh, intimately familiar with the power that um, unelected bureaucrats wield. And, and you're right. A lot of people who do hold um, government office, especially if they're in executive branch agencies, um, they come out with a different view than me. I was pretty much a small government guy before I served in these various roles in government. Um, I was pushed even further to the right uh, based on my experience there when I watched the unbelievable, I would say obscene amount of power that unelected officials uh, at all levels of government in America now hold. And I'm looking at your backdrop there. It says the Liberty Cafe. I love the name of your show because, as you know, um, the chief of government has one job. That job is to protect our liberties. Government doesn't give us our freedoms. Those come uh, from our creator, as you know. And when our founders set up our constitutions, both federally and state, they, they knew that. They, they recognized that. And they knew that when government acts, almost in every instance, by definition, it is depriving somebody of, of some form of life or, or liberty or, or treasure. And so the hurdle was supposed to be very high for government uh, to deprive people and to, to act in that way. The House of Representatives right, had to agree word for word with the Senate and then word for word with the President of the United States if the government was going to act. And we all watched Schoolhouse Rock as, as, as kids. I got to tell you, I think Schoolhouse Rock should be banned as fake news because that is not how America works anymore <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and so that's a little bit of, of my perspective on it, having just lived through the amount of power. I mean, that me, myself, nobody elected me, but as the chief of staff of a federal agency, I could play a far more material role in, in creating federal programs, ending federal programs, creating federal taxes, ending federal taxes than a hundred members of the United States Congress put together. And right. that's just that's just not right. So I so I think you highlighting this, the the biggest threat to our constitutional system of divided government is the out of control bureaucratic state. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. You know, when I worked back at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, we used to hire uh, folks. And, and one question we would ask them all, whether they were going to be policy analysts or accountants, we would ask them, what's the what's the role of government. Mm -hmm. And if they got beyond three words to protect our rights or four words, the more they got past those four words, the more points they lost, because that's really, <laughs> yeah. 
that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, the, the, the Bible is so clear about that and the Constitution is so clear about that. And so if you if you bring your experience down to the Texas state level, I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the Texas legislature now, yep. but you're and you're filing a bill about bills about state agencies. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing some of the same problems in Texas that you yeah. saw at the federal level? It, it doesn't make me happy to say this, but yes, I am. And I'll give you one example. Uh, the Biden administration and my former agency, HHS. So HHS also oversees the CDC and then the NIH. So when the Biden administration a month or two ago decided to put for purely political reasons and with no clinical data showing safety or efficacy um, in the pediatric population, the COVID-19 vaccination on their official recommendation, uh, official childhood immunization schedule. Okay. They did this again, purely for political purposes. And I went out to to publicly attack um, the Biden administration for doing this, because what happens is when the CDC issues recommendations, they will tell everybody, OK, these things are not binding. The problem is every blue state and, and blue localities across the country, their official position is to blindly defer to whatever CDC does. And so what happens is these CDC recommendations have the effect of mandating, in this instance, COVID-19 uh, vaccines on millions of Americans okay, across the country. I thought that uh, decision was appalling. And so I went to go publicly criticize them. But I said, you know what? Uh, I'm elected in the Texas House. I want to make sure that our hand, our house is in order on this front. And I was unpleasantly surprised to learn that on our own state health agency's website, they had a requirement on there that every student to attend any uh, university or school uh, institution in Texas must receive every vaccine that the CDC recommends. Wow. So I could not believe this. This was not a decision, by the way, that was made by the legislature. Right. This was not even a formal regulation that went out. It was a blog post. So I used to joke about this at HHS. We should not govern by blog posts. Okay. So I, re- I, I put that on Twitter, was on the phone with the ex- executive commissioner of the state health agency. And I am pleased to report that within 18 hours, they undid that requirement. But it was, in fact, a requirement in the state of Texas that if CDC said something in terms of a student to go to school, you had to get that vaccine, and it included the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, we've got instances of unelected bureaucrats at the Texas Medical Board not doing what, we're, what we chartered them legislatively to do, which is to regulate the practice of medicine to make sure that patients are cared for and the Hippocratic Oath is, is enforced, do no harm. We have the Texas Medical Board right now not doing what their counterparts in Florida are doing and protecting kids from these disgusting and appalling um, gender modification procedures. They're instead wasting their resources as unelected officials prosecuting and going after doctors who were prescribing safe treatments that had been approved by the FDA for 50 years in the middle of COVID, trying to save lives. So we have unelected bureaucrats literally prosecuting doctors trying to save lives while they're allowing child uh, mutilations to happen in the state of Texas. Our, Our legislature, I'll give you two more examples. Our legislature in statute allows one unelected bureaucrat, one, to by edict force any vaccine they want on any school child in the state of Texas at any time they want. One unelected bureaucrat, and that's current law. One other example, maybe the most extreme example, our disaster laws from the 1970s. They allow any time a governor determines we are in a state of disaster. Okay, so when we're in a state of disaster, as determined by who? By the governor. Right. Then the governor has quite literally the full powers of a king. When we are in a declared state of disaster, a governor can unilaterally delete duly passed laws. He can unilaterally modify 
any law, and he can unilaterally create any state law he wants. We absolutely have problems here in the state of Texas that need uh, to be rectified. They need to be rectified immediately because they do not consist, they do not comport with the principles of representative government. Yeah, that's it's amazing that we live in a state like Texas that we we think are free and we see these kind of things. And real quick, this is a little bit off the topic of your bills, but if I could just ask, so I was aware of what you were talking about, you know, the, the emergency powers of the governor, yeah. but it, it, it's pretty clear that the legis- the Texas constitution says the legislature gets to pass laws and repeal laws. So it seems to me that a law that says the governor can do that is unconstitutional, yet that never made its way through the courts. Any, why didn't that happen? It's probably, it's, my guess is, I'm not a lawyer, my guess is they had a difficulty you know, establishing standing for certain people to sue. That's a speculation I, I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you. I believe that that disaster law that we have on, the, have on the books right now as we speak in Texas is on its face unconstitutional. And we, Texas, I tell you that somebody who spent some of my career outside of D.C., Texas has a well-earned and robust reputation for being the leader on liberty, individual liberty, and on freedoms, and on conservative uh, principles and governance. I have to tell you, now as somebody who is as, as an, is an elected constitutional officer in the state of Texas, we have a lot of work to do to live up to our reputation, and we need to get about doing it uh, immediately. Well, good. Let's let's dive into your bills a little bit. So before yep. we look at the specific bills, uh, all the bills, it's uh, House Bill 791, House Bill 1947, and House Bill 1948. All three yep. of those bills focus on state agency rules. Why did you use agency rules as your target for going yeah. after these state agencies? Very, very simply, our state constitution, just like the federal constitution, wanted to make it very hard for the state of Texas to deprive somebody of life, liberty, or to put burdens on them. And unfortunately, just how I said Schoolhouse Rock is fake news, in too many instances, it's also fake news here in Texas. If an, if an unelected bureaucrat can both write and enforce a law, that is the definition of tyranny. And yet we allow it. We allow it way too much in the state of Texas. So, so what I did is I said, if something is going to happen out of an executive branch agency, the people are being deprived of representation unless an elected official, somebody they had a choice to put in office and somebody who they could remove, uh, has a chance to weigh in on that. In, in an ideal world, that would be the legislature. But these bills said, you know what? If they are, as an executive branch agency, executing their power, they derive their power in almost all instances from the governor. The governor oversees the executive branch. And thank God, the governor in Texas is an elected official. So people can boot him out if they want to, or him or her out. Okay, This is agnostic. One thing that's important to note, agnostic as to any governor. My bills were not written with any particular governor was in mind. With the one exception, I am terrified of a future governor like Beto O'Rourke. Okay, right. there is only a matter of time until a Democrat holds that office. We have to make sure that any power we give to any governor, we would be okay with our worst political enemy wielding, and that's something right. we don't give enough thought to. So yeah, so one of my bills says, you know what? If an executive branch agency uh, is going to write something that has the effect of a law, which is what regulations do, okay, you can go to jail if you violate them. If they have the effect of a law, the governor. I'm trying to empower him as the state's highest elected official. He needs to put his name on that regulation. He needs to have uh, authority. He needs to have responsibility. And if that involves culpability, even better. 
but it empowers him to rein in the bureaucrats that all work for him. And then the second bill that you referenced is what's reigning in something that most people haven't heard of. It's called Chevron deference. What it basically is, when people see, you know, they go into a courthouse, they see Lady Liberty blindfolded with the scales in her hand, right? Everybody is familiar with this. Justice is supposed to be blind. Did you or did you not violate a, a regulation or a law? The problem is when government agencies harm individuals or businesses in Texas, and they want to fight back and say, hey, what you're doing is inappropriate. You don't have the power to do this or, or, it's, or it's illegal, an illegal action. Well, we adjudicate these things in the courts. OK, so but when you go to court, the judge, the jury and the whole process is supposed to be indifferent. That's why Lady Liberty is blindfolded. The problem is in both at the federal level and at the state level, we have government sanctioned cheating. They go to the courts and because of something called Chevron deference, the uh, courts, when weighing a matter between an individual or a business on one hand and a government bureaucratic agency on the other, they literally are authorized to cheat. If it's even a close call, what they do is, you know, this is kind of close. We're going to go ahead and just side with the government. It's a close ball. We can't tell. That is not supposed to be the way our criminal juris, uh, uh, the judicial system in Texas works. And so I think it's an immoral practice, and I filed a bill to end it and require the courts treat both parties equally. You cannot put your thumb on the scale for the bureaucrats at the expense of hardworking individual Texans. Yeah, I agree completely. One would hope that our courts would review uh, any decisions made by an agency from the point of our constitutional rights rather than the opinion of state agency. Why, why do you think that isn't happening? Uh, it's a good question. It, it's been a process that has taken a, a while for us to get here. But however we got here, we need to stop it immediately. Right. And even, you know, we've got in, in Texas a Supreme Court that's been Republican for 20 20- plus years or yeah. something like that. And, and they haven't done anything to stop it either. So it, it seems like um, it, this is going to have to be a legislative solution rather than a judicial solution. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I mean, th- this is not a completely made up scenario, what I'm about to describe to you, if we don't rein this in. If we had a future governor, like somebody like a Beto O'Rourke, um, who, who was sworn into office to lead, to lead Texas, the official position of the CDC is that firearm violence is a public health crisis. A future governor of the state of Texas, if we do not change things, could say, you know what? The federal government's official position is that firearm violence is a public health crisis. I agree with the CDC. I'm going to declare a public health emergency disaster in Texas, and I'm going to confiscate firearms. Or I agree with the federal government's EPA that emissions pose a national security and economic and public health threat. I'm going to declare a disaster in Texas, and I'm going to ban uh, the com- internal combustion engine, and I'm going to ban vehicles. I'm going to shut down every automotive dealer, and I'm going to confiscate your cars. Under current Texas statutes, and especially when you layer on the concept of Chevron deference, which lets the courts s- side with the government over individuals who had their rights taken away, that could happen. People need to understand that and, and know that we've got to fix this problem. Yeah. Well, I, I think we've seen over the last few years things happen, even in Texas, that, that we didn't imagine were possible. And um, in part through the, the, the instruments that you're talking about right now. So, well, I wish you the very best with this legislation. If there's anything that I can do, you know, write my congressman or representative or whatever, <laughs> let me know, because I, I think this is one of the most important bills. As I told you before we went online, you know, having spent about eight mm-hmm. years in, in, in agencies myself, I've seen rogue agencies all over the place, and, and we need to do something to um, 
to bring those to, to an end. So thank you yeah. very much for doing this and thank you for being on the Liberty Cafe today. Always great to, to be with you, Bill. And I think you're doing um, the most important thing, which is highlighting the problem that unfortunately far too many Americans, including too many Texans, are unaware of. And if we do not reign in the out-of-control bureaucratic state where individuals who are not elected can both write and enforce laws, then Texas, freedom-loving Texas, is unfortunately on the road to a post-constitutional era. And we got to do everything we can to stop that and make sure that people are empowered through their elected representatives. So thank you very much, Bill. All right. Thank you. You bet. Well, I really appreciate Representative Harrison being on the Liberty Cafe today. And thanks again to all of you for listening. And thanks once again to Texas Scorecard for being our sponsor. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.